Hi, welcome to Overlooked. My name is Pooja Advani. My guest today is Mumbai Super Vet. She has been working with various welfare organization and animal rights groups such as Raw, TSPCA as well as PETA. A leading expert in pain management and various other therapies, she is Dr. Deepa Katyal. Hi doctor, it Hi. is a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. As we always begin with, I would actually like to know um, what actually led you to be a veterinarian. Uh, I guess uh, I think I mean I was just designed or karmically come here to become a veterinarian and nothing else. Um, they say that past karmas you've done something so horrible to those animals that you need to now you know sudharify your karmas and uh, get even with whatever evil you've done to them in the past. I think that's what I've come here for and uh, basically yeah I think this is just a calling I I couldn't have done anything else you know So what was that one key factor that turned around and told you that I am going to dedicate my life being a veterinarian or saving animals Um see I grew up in a family which uh, was a business family and my dad uh, I grew up with animals uh my dad uh, mr pran kutyal he was uh, he's the most dearest soul to me on um of course he's passed away but he's still so dear to me and uh, i think his genes are what prevail in me and the compassion that comes from my mother and uh, his love for animals uh, so when i was born we had dogs at home and uh, my first uh, rakhi brother was actually not my real brother but i used to tie rakhi to my dog because that's the closeness i found myself growing up with um and uh, obviously when you are were growing up with animals you understand that these are something different and not humans and the likeness towards them just happens because uh, when i believe so much in karma and i say that you know they attract you Uh, to so much extent and i think i was a very little girl and uh, obviously with the dogs cats ducklings and whatever we had so at you home, had a whole range of absolutely moment. birds and everything at home uh, so every sunday morning it was dad's day to get the ticks off the dog bathe them and uh, we always had more than one dog in the house at the at a time and uh, so it was like a a chore you know and for me it was the most exciting day of my a uh, week where i would sit with dad and get the ticks off you know have the bowl of kerosene nail you know your huh. earlier days um and uh, so we were uh, i was blessed we were in a bungalow and uh, both of us were actually doing our thing and uh, suddenly we heard like a pack of crows that came in uh, to the house and uh, we heard this cacophony and commotion and dad goes into the garden and we find this little bird um stuck you know she was entwined of with a fledgling in in um you know to one end of the string dad released the string and the mother bird just flew away and we had this like baby fledgling which was in our hand which you know had barely opened its eyes and had not even his primary feathers come and basically a naked uh, fledgling mm. bird and uh, dad was like uh, uh, you know we need to uh, make like a nest for it and uh, he just like very naturally just got some cotton and put the baby bird there and uh, i don't exactly remember what he fed but i'm very sure there was some milk and bread which obviously we don't <laughs> encourage anymore but those were the days and uh, whatever was feasible for people's knowledge and uh, he actually started feeding the bird and 
I I kept seeing that and you know I said you know dad let me just take over this bird and I was so little he said no you'll kill it you don't know how to do deal with it and I said no you just just give me the bird I'm going to take care of it and it became like my baby so at that age when you possess something how old were you if you don't mind me I think I was anywhere between 6 to 8 I'm not really very sure about the age uh, but I think about 8 hmm. years and uh, that bird was my possession and i treasured uh, we called her uh, myra and i treasured that baby fledgling uh, to my life and uh, i i gave up my toys i gave up my friends and i remember uh, my best friend would come knocking after school and she would like uh, you know come out to play i said no i have to spend time with myra she's growing up i have to be her mother and you know how children are so anybody and everybody knew that you know i'm always with her and i just took on to the bird so much that uh, she became like my soul and i would come from school and just feed myra and be with myra and myra started growing and uh, because of that accident where the string was attached to her legs i think she had a fracture mm. and she couldn't uh, walk properly so she would limp and she would follow me around everywhere and you know how humans are i always feel we are so selfish that we always want to be important so i was the most important thing in myra's life and that made me feel very happy also the love and affection that that animal gives you you know um she would come cuddle up to me and uh, i was so aware when i used to sleep that so conscious of her being with me that uh, i wouldn't sleep well because the bird used to always be sleeping with me and so conscious of not being able to hurt her as a child see if an adult does it's a different thing hmm, but a child true. doing it i think that's where i started developing the love and affection and uh, i still remember uh, myra had really started growing up she would fly a little and uh, it was almost like uh, i think one of those days i came back and it was a horrible day of my life but i think also there's something hidden under the carpet when you do something which is disastrous but it actually leads you to a path and i came back home and i was you know just put my bags down and just started searching for the bird i didn't realize the bird had jumped out of the nest to come to me because she heard my voice and inadvertently i stamped on the bird and the bird got crushed in front of my eyes with my own legs and I killed the bird. So it was like uh, the most horrible day of my life. I can imagine. I, I, I don't know As how it was. As an eight-year-old, yeah, and it just, it just broke me up. Completely disastrous day of my life, and I called my dad up. He was at work, and I told him, and my dad's factory was in Baikala at that time, and. I called my mom my mom was a working person I called her from the factory I called my dad from the factory and I'm like get me this bird back and I was like a intractable child just wouldn't want to listen and I want that bird alive back again my mom tried to console me my dad tried to console me and it was a situation I don't think that they could handle and uh, I just gave up eating food and i would do nothing else but cry and for a child like this you know to be like this they were really really worried about me so much emotion and my dad actually thought you know this is not the right 
place for me to be with being so emotional. So they try to take me out, you know, make me understand that the bird has gone to a better place. You know how parents, parents try, try to, to protect, protect and, and motivate you and your interests. But uh, yeah, I just wouldn't listen. But that moment in which dad held the bird in the hand, he made me look at the bird and he said, see, she's gone. We have to give her a burial. And you have to understand that this is not the last animal that is going to come into your life. There are going to be many more. If you're going to behave like this, I will never, ever get you another animal. And then I just, you know, for some time, like a very filmy thing that when you talk about it right now, but I heard that I held the dead bird in my hand and somewhere in my life, I just promised to myself and I said, this is it. You know, this is where I'm going to go. And if ever I want to do anything in my life, it's going to be around animals. And I don't want to see another dying animal in my hand. And somewhere I pledged to myself and my soul that I am going to be a veterinarian. Um, because I used to see a vet come to my mm. house to help my dogs. And, um, but this was like my, my inner bond with me. Mm. And uh, that was it. That's amazing. That's yeah. that's. I think each one of us has that absolute one key factor, Absolutely. which it becomes your driving Absolutely. force to make you do what Absolutely. you want to do. Yeah. Your most iconic cases that I have actually read about is Lucky and Babulal. Yeah. Um, would you elaborate on how you found them and how were they released back to the wild, nursed and released back to the wild? So it's a journey. You know, it's an amazing, amazing journey. When I look back to my life. The first primate I ever rescued was when I was doing my bachelor's uh, uh, in Parel uh, in the year 94, 93-94. And um, I was traveling by the BSC 90 Limited bus to go to my college. Mm. And uh, I was at Science Circle and I very clearly remember I'm sitting on the bus and I see these madaris uh, with a small baby monkey and uh, they're feeding, they were throwing biscuits and uh, a feral dog or a street dog comes in and tries to grab the biscuit and the baby monkey is, and you know, these people, their attention is just diverted and the monkey tries to take the biscuit from the dog's hand and the dog bites his hand off. And I see like a pool of blood in a fraction of seconds and it was an instinct. I just ran out of a jumping bus, you know, leaving my bag behind in the bus and I know it was like such a chaotic situation in my head just to go and save that animal. I went there and I told them, listen, I'm a veterinarian. I've just started my practice. This was, yeah, it was in 97 because that's the day I began my practice and I had my clinic. So I told them I have a clinic. I'm going to go and help you to save this animal's arm because it's bleeding very badly. It'll die. I called up my surgeon friend and uh, made him leave college, come, come to the clinic and do a surgery on this uh, little baby monkey. I think the monkey must be hardly around... 25 days old. Roughly. That small. Yeah. And uh, his name was, uh, I called him Babuli. And it was so funny that uh, after we finished the surgery, when I, when I came out, the Madaris were not there. And I'm stuck with this primate and I don't know what to do, but to take him home. And I go home and uh, everybody is just like, what the, what is this? Like they couldn't even make out what is in my hand. And my mom was like, are you crazy? Are you going to keep a monkey? And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. This is in my hand. It's completely bad right now. I need to take care. And my dad was overwhelmed. 
happy as he can be because there was a baby <laughs> monkey in the house and uh, yeah so a lot of care lot of comfort lot of pain management with knowing no knowledge and doing whatever we could that lit, that damn monkey with that luck survived and uh, we called him babuli so he was with me for several years and uh, post that uh, uh the pfa uh dharmesh solanki was a friend of mine who used to work as a trustee in pfa they rescued another monkey on holy day uh, who was uh, rescued from a hotel in bhivandi she was kept in a very small monkey ca- very small cage and she had to compete with rats for food and this monkey uh, uh was suffering from a condition which i learned later on in my lifetime uh from self infliction behavior because she was monkeys are very smart hmm. and when they are very little and they are kept in a cage they start inflicting themselves and probably she had to compete with these rats who would probably bite her also sometimes so we rescued holika i mean i called her holika hmm. because we rescued her on a holy day um and uh, we got her home and then i made this huge enclosure in my house which was 13 by 9 foot and i kept it outside my garden in the bungalow and uh, with these two primates inside this was in the year 97 and uh, i saw myself understanding behavior studying things about primates and looking at both these animals it was a whole new vision that i that that was there in front of me hmm. so apart from my dogs and cats these were animals that i kept looking at and studying their behavior in captivity obviously right. because these are animals that are so close to human beings at that point of time and i was just taking care of them and babuli had one hand because obviously i had amputated and the other one had a mental problem which is called self infliction mm. behavior so i got a complete and the the baby stayed with me for quite some time and they died because of several other factors but yeah and and that was my first step into working with primates. primates they're always considered as pests over here in our city and they're often thrown acid on uh, they get electrocuted because of the the live wires that we have and so on and so forth because these animals are not important to us economically do you understand where what i'm saying i get what you're saying but the the thing was that this is an animal that's in pain trauma and probably suffering the most because there are madaris that are using them uh to earn money so you know they're getting them to urban to to the, to our cities keeping them captive and when they become difficult to control because they are after all wild animals they're just abandoned in the city so then on uh there were these two primates that were rescued one after the other one was uh uh babulal one was lucky that was the first primate that came in completely burnt and charred and uh, it took me and i that was my first year in my board uh, as a director uh, for pain management and i had all the support from mary mary allen goldberg she's one of my dearest friends overseas and she does a lot of work for mm. pain management uh, she's a vet, veterinary technician and it's amazing the kind of in, uh, information she has and then i had the good fortune of meeting um stephen seitel who's actually writing a book on pain management with reptiles and primates mm. so they were the first people who actually told me you know do this do that do this do that don't do this do do that and you know uh, handling different drugs 
because imagine your little finger getting burned as against the whole body getting burned how difficult it is for you to survive from that infection from that pain and continuously you know this this poor animals because what happens is these babies are actually holding on to their moms the moms get electrocuted and this is such high voltage that the babies actually fall down and their entire uh, abdominal or front portion you know the ventral surface gets burnt including their private parts including um, the orifices from where they defecate and mm. urinate and it's appalling because you know it's burnt and on top of that there's urine trickling down from there which is warm and it's so painful and this monkey i captured some videos because i had to give a pain talk somewhere he couldn't even hold an apple in his hand you know he wanted to hold the apple after the pain management was done and he used to get pain relief and he couldn't hold the apple in his hand and it was heartbreaking to see all those things and then i decided i said we have to do something for these animals though they are not economically important but they are suffering and nobody deserves to have this pain and suffering so yeah that was it and then uh, came in babulal with the same kind of thing and then we had choti who's not very popular but choti is one of the dearest souls on earth she uh, she has an amazing story to herself she was a 23 year old baby monkey that was rescued from uh, alibag by a rescuer called hakim sheik he's an amazing guy because he does all these um, big monkey rescues and nobody wants to put their hand inside because monkey rescues can actually help have you get into huge kind of accidents because they bite and their bites are potentially very unsafe so uh, it seems that there were two big monkeys that were fighting with each other uh, territorially mm. and this little baby monkey was with the mother you know how males are two egos clashing and the male was so busted the one who got defeated was so busted with anger that he just yanked this baby monkey started biting her out of nowhere and uh, bit her hand bit her leg bit her on the neck and swung her around so much so that she fell into uh, the nearby there was a lake over there she fell there and this guy who was a rescuer was seeing the entire um, situation around he rescued her called me up at 1 am in the morning and he said you know what this is a bad case i need you to come and see this monkey or she's going to die and uh, when it's a monkey nothing stops me and i just ran and i went to work and that was the most painful thing that i had ever seen fortunately uh, internationally america was actually having day and i called up my friends and they were on the phone with me and we were working on her pain management and uh, everything and then eventually uh, she ran into gangrene with that hand hmm. uh, which was actually bitten because this was a through and through wound you could see, see her bone and i had to work very quickly because her hemoglobin was falling down she was getting septic hmm. and i the only thing my friend said was have somebody do the surgery quickly and somehow you had to finish the surgery quickly so that you can reverse the animal and we had no reversals fortunately i had packed everything for my for a bird surgery and i had gotten uh, to bombay but everything worked around miracles for this little child and we got the surgery done i had a human orthopedic guy 
a pediatrician who came and did the surgery for me in less than 15 minutes. We had a hand amputation done and uh, she was under cold laser. Everything that in the universe was working around this little kid and we could give her the best. And it was amazing because in 45 minutes post-surgery, she was eating her first meal. And that was her story of survival. And now, right now, uh, she is uh, rehabbing with, uh, with another baby monkey in uh, Kalote. So this is uh, some, something that we wanted to venture on. And I wanted to do is monkey rehab. Hmm. Because we were not getting support from anywhere. And uh, I was really very concerned about where these monkeys went post I treating them. Hmm. So, you know, you put in so much of your energies. I, I don't only work as a veterinarian in the clinic, managing them medically, but my services are extended at home as a mother to them, fostering them, you know, getting them off this whole thing. So it's a never ending. It's, it's like a continuous attachment. Like how would you do it to a child? Hmm. So then after that, once you've done it and you consciously know that this animal cannot be released back into the wild, what are you going to do with them? Where are you going to keep them? I can't keep gathering monkeys in, a, in the place where I stay. You know, we have so many other commitments that we have. And plus, if I keep my rooms full, where will I get room for another animal to come in for me to treat them? Right. So this was a serious trauma in my head, just very serious. And every time I think about it, I also know that every night I slept with Babuli and Holika, this was a fear I had. Unfortunately, fortunately, they died with me. But I used to always feel tomorrow if I get married, this was my earlier days, where am I going to keep these monkeys? But today, for another Deepa that's in making maybe, uh, both me and a very close friend of mine, uh, Samir Vora, who's the founder of Kalote Animal Trust, we decided to start a monkey rehabilitation center. Hmm. And uh, we were uh, uh, actually encouraged by the wildlife department and they said, you know, it's really good. Uh, we don't have any such place hmm. right now. And if you guys want to get into this, uh, we can support you. And uh, so Kalote, where we have these monkey cages, we are trying to make them as spacious and as uh, modern and as, as technically good as they are in the Western countries. So I don't care if they are not economically important. For me, I don't even care if they are not environmentally important, which I don't think is true. Okay. But a lot of people tell us, you know, you know, these, these are just pests. They just keep multiplying. They just, you know, we hear stories of people culling those animals, just like dogs in so many states. But for me, every animal that's in discomfort and in pain is important. And just as, as you would be compassionate to a human child who's pain and, in pain and suffering, for me, that is a life that I need to take care, be it a reptile, be it a monkey. But yeah, this is something that we are committed to doing in the next one or two years is making a foster or a rehabilitation center for many, many more monkeys that cannot be released into the wild. So we have maimed, we have blind monkeys over there. Hmm. We have babies, baby monkeys which are hand raised and cannot be released because there is a, a international guideline that says that you cannot release uh, baby monkeys that are hand raised by humans because they won't know how to survive. 
so we are working around international mo- modules right now and getting more knowledge uh, we've had uh, uh, an uh, a canadian veterinarian who works with wildlife and primates came and interned with us at kalote so you know i am trying to be at the top of it as much as i can uh, for getting a structured a politically correct structured stuff for our primates here so you do various amount of therapies you do cold laser you do acupuncture physio hydro um what are the cases that will firstly tell us what are these various therapies and what are the cases that will probably be used for these therapies so uh, since i went on board and uh, obviously i have to talk about dogs and cats because that's where <laughs> my money comes from <laughs> to support the other lovely things that i want to do in life but yeah so dogs and cats uh, majorly uh, old age like geriatric cases that we right. get they generally having osteoarthritis uh, uh, primarily hip dysplasia uh, which is obviously a bad breeding uh, disease that is almost there if i may have been bold enough to say it's about 80% of cases that we see with with our retrievers a uh, great danes uh, saint bernards and all these fancy breeds that we can think about so uh, if these breeds are going to exist the way they are with the bad breeding that we have um we are going to continue uh, seeing our animals in pain and suffering because as they age the floorings are so bad that we stay in and uh, they require therapies to uh, basically be stable so uh, sometimes uh, i'm not talking about extreme cases of paralysis where they are neurological or they have spinal traumas or accident cases i'm talking about just being normally bad bred animals and going through paralysis because of bad breeding you know yeah um i want to understand over the last maybe 10 years say 5 years have you seen the cases that you're seeing increase in probably obesity hip dysplasia other kind of neurological conditions or any other hereditary conditions that they have has that kind of skyrocketed over the last couple of years because of bad breeding or maybe even ignorance see i'll give you a i'll, I'll make a small give you a small story here which is like which is self explanatory actually so i have a clinic in a particular area and there used to be a vegetable vendor outside my clinic one day he comes to my clinic and he says mere paas labrador ke labra ka bachcha hai kisko chahiye hoga to bolna main 5000 mein de raha hu and i'm like kya you know <laughs> this is a vegetable vendor <laughs> tells me this. You know, I think like, each one of us has got calls like that <laughs> at some point. He <laughs> <laughs> went out and I saw him <laughs> along with the vegetables. He had this like basket in which he had the six puppies, Labrador Retriever puppies. <laughs> Does he know about breeding, bad breeding, genes, hip dysplasia? He has no knowledge. He just bought together two labrador looking like dogs. <laughs> labrador looking like God dogs. God knows what. 
but he was like very happy to tell me that he had Labrador Retrievers and he was selling them for 5,000 bucks. So this is your breeding industry in India. And this is how people buy dogs, like face the truth, you know. So, so if, I'm, if I'm completely thinking about backyard breeders, breeders, where are they even coming into question? Because people are going to buy these dogs from these kind of people who are selling them so cheap. Yes, people who are aware it's a different story, but then they get conned. Don't go far. It's me. I had a, a boxer which was so-called bred for type and temperament years ago. My dad was into this crazy shit of, uh, uh, sorry, 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 he's not no anymore, word. but he was into this thing, I want a German Shepherd and I want a Boxer. Um, so, but he was good enough, he would take in the streets also, street, our, our uh, society street animals also when it was raining and everybody was given shelter. But you know how it is, like people with me, like my own dad was so fond of pedigree dogs because they look majestic, you know. So I got in a boxer and the guy had, was a cryptocket, oh, sorry, a monocket. He had only one testicle. And uh, imagine where... But you know what, um, sorry to cut you, um, I have come across, like at Doggy Dog World right now, I have a few boxers. Um, and that somehow has becoming a genetic condition. Yes, yeah. So it is. So it is so funny. In the last, I've been doing this now for almost nine years. Uh, but I never saw so many. Right now, I have about five boxers as clients. All of them have this condition. Yeah, so, so you know, um, it's, it's awareness. It's also more awareness because we are aware of bad breeding now. And uh, the first thing that our client comes to us for examination is we check those things and we inform them. And yes, if you uh, are telling me this and I'm actually thinking about it, a lot of these genetic diseases are, are uh, see, because I deal with, uh, with the paralyzed and uh, hip cases, I see so many of them, you know. So, obviously, I'm going to say that in the past four years, there's been a marked, marked increase in the number of cases that are coming to me with pain and trauma or hip dysplasia or arthritis or spondylosis, you know, all these kind of problems. But it can, be from, it can be both ways, right? One, because you deal with it. Yeah. Uh, one, I mean, actually, there are I think multiple a, factors to it. I think it. there's also awareness. That's also, that's what I was coming to. Uh, there are multiple factors to it that probably you are getting that many cases. Yeah. Which could be awareness that people are becoming more aware of what's actually going on. Uh, the second factor will be probably because you specialize in the field, you are getting those cases. Yeah. yeah and maybe. the third factor could be that there's an increase in the number. Absolutely. See, the, I'll tell you what, uh, Puja, it's not only about... Uh, um, everything like everything is in sync right now because you know what uh, breeders no, no, no matter how much you try to explain it to them will never ever want to say that they have bred the dog badly okay and there are there is no structured thing to do a, a hip score that is there which is an international guideline and look at our we have like about 60 odd dogs in Kalote and uh, 
I think 10 or 15 of them are uh, animals that have been abandoned because of bad bone structure. Because they can't, they have these fancy Bernards and Mastiffs and you know whatnot that they get and then those dogs can't walk or make uh, or even you know even sit and stand properly in a in a smooth flooring and those dogs are just later on wanting to be abandoned because people don't know how to deal with that situation and they don't want to spend that time to deal i'm sure you're in this thing you must be meeting all kinds of people there are such dedicated people that you feel oh my god this is like beyond so i have seen um I see them to the two extremes of the spectrum. Absolutely. Yeah. So you see one spectrum, one entire group of people that are totally committed, completely committed. And then you see another group of people who basically do not have any idea of what they're doing. And um, yes, it amazes me. And you, but you know, for us, we are very limited to say what we can actually say. So. It just comes down to absolutely. So even as if you you're feeling as a therapist, you you are uh, limited. We as veterinarians are very limited because it's so amazing that I say that the breeders are the first one to influence the parents' mind. They're the first contact, no? So I always absolutely. say that all of us are, are like like I am at the last end of the spectrum. Um, it's the breeders, is then the pet shop owners, is then the veterinarians, and then it is us. You know, we as boarding, grooming, um, therapy centers, we are at, like right at the bottom. Yeah. By then, the entire range of things have already been done. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for us to even come out and say anything which is opinionated actually doesn't matter. So that's what I'm saying. Can you believe like a veterinarian saying this that we are not even, sometimes we are not even considered because we are, make, we are considered to be doing this only because we want to make money out of the dog. So it's so sad. The whole concept is so sad. But yeah. And and uh, bad breeding, say, the, the most important thing beyond all this dysplasia, beyond all this obesity, is not only lifestyle, it's bad breeding. Oh, really? Okay? Because there are genes that are carried forth. In You see soft palates in pugs. How bad is that? I mean, these people are creating... My heart goes out to those dogs. Uh, you know... Pugs are one breed I really, really feel bad about. And the way uh, people lack the knowledge of soft palates, that, that they don't know, they feel that the dog is snoring, which is like a common thing for the dog to snore. My dog, oh, but but the breeder said that it's normal. The, the not informed vet said it's normal. And then when we actually give them a handout that your dog is actually having a brachycephalic syndrome and not snoring because he's supposed to snore. No dog on earth is supposed to snore. There is a problem in your animal. There's a surgery that is to be done in the animal to correct that so that he doesn't get laryngeal you know, paralysis later on in life. So many people are not even aware and they're buying those breeds. And it's so, so, so sad. So, um, moving to um, the cases that we are seeing in wildlife. And I mean, before I move to wildlife, I want to talk to you about cruelty. And I'm sure you will be seeing quite, quite a number. And I mean, I, I, I mean, according to me, abandonment is cruelty. All, all these aspects. Even if you have a pet and you don't have time for them, that is cruelty. Why do you see a rise in the cruelty cases? Are we becoming so inhumane, or we getting so stuck in the structure of things that we forget that they are a living species? Yeah. So I don't know. 
like when we bring up this topic a lot of people say oh my god you know there are so many human beings that are getting affected there there's so many child rapes that are happening and all you can see is cruelty in animals and you know standing up to animal rights and so on and so forth and it's pretty interesting because i'll tell you what in my mind it was always there it was under the carpet always i mean always we've, i mean we've not right kept from, any industry that does not use animals for something right from the stiality right from the slaughter houses how these animal poultry dogs and cats uh exotic animal breeding everything every minute we breathe there is an animal subjected to cruelty now our awareness is at its peak that's what we are <clears throat> when i started off i remember we were a handful of people who were uh, doing animal rights in the right. city just a handful of them today you see how many ngos you are calling you are at your um inviting them to right. speak to so if cruelty is increased so have the number of people who are actually trying to save them and it's amazing because your kind of work that you see and the exposure that we have to media right now and we are seeing if there's cruelty happening in a society against dogs there are 10 people who are uniting see the whatsapp groups that are there the animal rights groups that are there i don't even know how many number of them have pulled me in uh, mm. as a participant and it's amazing so for whatever reason they are working for or whatever it is i feel that this topic is something that is beyond reach now because there's so much happening everywhere worldwide as we talk and to another level like when i started doing primate work and research i knew that there is bestiality happening to a level that you can't even think of to these primates yes and i was i was shaken my soul was shaken i mean so we have orangutan brothels in indonesia yeah so that's what i'm saying do you know that i mean you're aware of it so so that's what we are talking about and there is so much of rise of cruelty also because uh people want to get a kick out of being popular like that thing in which they put a rod in a monkey somewhere you know yes yes i'm sorry i'm bringing up primates no, no, because no, this no. is something that so hard hitting those are those medical students exactly right? you know it's it's infamously famous yes it is so if somebody can be so atrociously bad and at that level of cruelty to humans to animals where are where is the world going into frustration but at the same time there is a hope because people like you people like me people like so many others have joined hands politically together in you know hmm or not together but they still in their own way trying to help animals that's the beauty of it that i look at it like that because every day you open the facebook or you open some space where you're looking at the animal news and there's so much so much sinking feeling when you see what is happening to these animals you know but at the same time you have so many other videos where people are saving paralyzed dogs uh, taking an animal out of a dungeon or whatever pit that has fallen down all over you know in kerala you heard about the dog massacre 
hmm. you know that how that yes. was happening and then i read some news where this the a, a bull was had fallen down and how they took 4 hours to get the bull out so everywhere because of the equilibrium that we are trying to maintain with the good souls and the bad souls or the good karma and the bad karma that we have is how we are living now and it's it's horrible for us as as we speak because like i said every breath that we are taking some animal is dying of cruelty yes and every breath we are taking somebody is saving a life maybe the other one is more higher than than the saving bit of it but i'm sure at some time if people like you who are spreading this awareness through this uh you thought about it right so that's in itself is incredible because i'm sure the people who are going to see this are going to realize the importance and somewhere this thing is going to touch their space so maybe some young deepa 8 year old deepa who would probably see this with her parent or somebody else a pooja who seeing this with mm. her parent is in the making right right so i'm sure like like wonderful people will breed wonderful things so that's what we have to hope for how do we inculcate awareness towards um in our children how do we inculcate this about cruelty and i mean because you have to sensitize it right some levels you have to um kind of filter it out how do we inculcate compassion empathy in our children how do you teach them that coexistence conservation is an important aspect for our survival today it's a very interesting topic and it has to really really be researched on in the correct way but i think the most important thing is documentation and um like film you know actually showing them right. what is right and what is wrong i don't think i gave a talk i gave a ted talk on pain management uh, about a year back in delhi this yes. was in in with some uh, in in a school and as i after i gave the ted talk i was surprised you know i in one of my um, videos i showed um how they hold the murgis the the chickens upside down and uh, you know so many times when i cross that particular area chemur naka there is there are these uh, chicken shops and they always doing that in my earlier days i would get down fight with them and i have actually been hit um and obviously i i want to live so i left doing all that and now i just shut my eyes and i walk through and so many of us are just doing that so this little kid comes up to me and asks me you know i see this all the time how do i stop it it was just imprinted in his head and he kept asking me that and i had no answer for it hey that that's the thing how do you teach them that this is wrong and um like you said you got assaulted and you said I'm yeah, because I'm not going to do it. I have to I, live. I have right? to live exactly. Yeah. But how do you put that stop there? It's. I mean, you brought this up. I saw it right now while coming here for the show. But that's what I'm saying. How many of us use glue traps? 
like basic training but that's what i'm saying the, the most important thing for us is to start uh, you know like schools are basically important they are a, a place to reach out with, with the ngos a lot of these ngos are doing uh, the the proactive ones are doing lectures on poisonous snakes non poisonous snakes and rabies awareness and this was happening in those earlier years of our lives right. also and i think now uh, the kids have become so strong that even if you show them a movie of cruelty of like like a slaughter vegetarianism i spoke about i just touched it briefly and a child at delhi came and told me you know doctor when i became a vegetarian like which part and whom are you sensitizing to with what you don't know no. but i think the important part is and this is not oh it just doesn't uh, stop at a conversation i in person don't have children because i chose not to have human babies because i know that i had i cannot share my love with a human child and very conscious decision taken at a very young age fortunately i found a partner to support that it's not an easy decision to take but uh, i i did do it and and then i always ask my friends on on my whatsapp group my school colleagues who are actually have have children and then they say you know uh, all my kids that they keep seeing your uh, monkey videos and uh, they pray for your monkey so even like showing them videos like this is sensitizing them so this is surreal okay where we think we envision that you're going to have only human beings that are compassionate that doesn't happen because upbringing is everything there are so many people who don't like animals themselves and what are they going to inculcate in their children the same thing right see don't liking animals is one aspect to it no but uh, not liking and then harming them or think if you can harm them that's one other aspect that's what i was trying to come up to so there are people who don't like them and they would say like even if the child is touching a dog or a cat who's getting wet they would say chi 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 you know ah, it's know. so instinct i don't like chi 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 i'm not doing anything wrong to it but i'm not allowing you to pick it up that's the end because i don't like it so if i don't like it but i allow the child to pick it up and keep the animal sheltered or even if it's raining that's not stopping or impeding that action of that child you know what i mean yes so i'm not being cruel i'm just asking you not to touch but those emotions go far in a child so i think also animal laws should be inculcated as and cruelty should be a part of studies in our curriculum i think it's so important to start with something like that because maybe if i was exposed to something like that it would have made me see obviously i take it as a calling so it was going to happen to me one day or the other you know it's your calling it would have happened to you one day or the right. other but if it's not my calling and i'm going to be, be a ratan tata tomorrow and i have been probably he was sensitized to it that's why he's so sensitive about it but i'm just saying like or a, or a bill gates or whoever you know right. one of those these rich rich guys that you have here who are influential and probably if it was a part of their studies to be sensitive to animals they would have so many people would have been different individuals because you don't know which chord you're striking at that age right so i think it's to begin with that 
it's very important and then how you conceive and perceive it after your schooling you know if you've been sensitive to it or actually exposed to it is most important because most of our kids are not even exposed to it they see this day in and day out and they don't even know whether it's right or wrong they they think that it's supposed to be done like this a chicken is supposed to be held like this because nobody tells them what is right and they're seeing it all the time and nobody is objecting to it so if you go to the depth of it i think it's extremely important to make them sensitive at that age if it is a part of their education right so somewhere you have to tweak the system as these activists or people who are proactive and all this to implement that and maybe mrs gandhi is the best person to do it i don't know whether she is right now in power or no but somebody like her at that that level right i'm dealing with wildlife i think you come across quite okay quite a number of cases yeah. with um, man animal conflict um before i move to that topic i want to ask you um your thought process as um coming from india as a country are we so lost in becoming a developed nation that we are actually forgetting um our fellow species that that we are basically being we are forgetting we are being ignorant it's so sad that i make this statement it's i can say this at this point of time because i've traveled the world i think conservation is far 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 ahead cuz we don't know how to value simple things in our lives we begin with garbage right so many animals are dying because of plastic don't we all know that why move ahead hum to koi ja ke koi cheez ko whales ko ya kisi ko protect to kar hi nahi sakte right hmm nahi kar sakte to agar at least the the only social thing that you can actually begin with is to stop throwing garbage first because that itself is probably going to save some whale or some shark somewhere in the ocean we are not taught basic things in our school in our education system with our parents because littering is supposed to be our birthright and then we talk about animals coming into our zone acid throwing shooing away those animals because you don't want them to be in your territory and you think you own this whole wide world so why you know when you think about all these uh, uh, ecologists and these uh, people who study the ocean um, all these people who are actually doing so much work in conservation why are they only overseas not saying that they are only overseas overseas but you hear so much you see um, uh, animal planet you see uh, any any series in the wildlife national geographic but you will see most of them abroad that they are trying to do this conservation uh, in antarctica or in amazon right. why is it not there in india it's first of all our development is only towards things that i th- i i don't know if my uh reading or is my understanding or my exposure to this is that big but i don't know how much money we invest in all those things our government invests in those things a small thing like when i was studying in australia 
there was a small church that I went to and the way they had conserved and they had made it like a, uh, you know, for foreigners to come and visit that space. It was nothing was there inside. When I went, it was, yeah, and look at our Taj Mahal. I mean, I'm not comparing, but I'm just saying that it is a popular place to visit. But you can put in conservation in a conservation, you can see your zoo. Right. क्या है और उन लोगों के ज़ूस को देखो दूर क्यों जा रहे हो? You feel suffocated when you go to the zoo. You feel, oh my God, these animals shouldn't be here. Yes. Like people like you and me who are aware are saying this. आगे कहाँ जाएँ हम लोग? पहले ये तो ठीक करो। ये वही है ना कि हम लोग इतना lost हो गए कि develop nation बनने के लिए we are so lost in that factor कि वो सराउंडिंग फैक्टर वी आर फॉरगेटिंग अरे डेवलपमेंट में तुम स्काइस्क्रीपर्स बना रहे हो तुम ब्रिजेस बना रहे हो तुम फ्लाइओवर्स बना रहे हो पहले गटर सिस्टम का ख्याल रखो सब हम लोगों सब लोग सब कुछ मालूम है बट स्टिल इट्स जस्ट हैपनिंग बिकॉज़ करप्शन आई डोंट नो व्हाट ऑल इज हैपनिंग लाइक देयर सो मेनी थिंग्स दैट आर डीप सीटेड हियर यू नो आई थिंक इट्स एट दिस स्टेज आई डोंट इवन नो वेयर डू आई बिगिन व्हाट डू आई टॉक because first of all my knowledge to corruption and all these things yes. and politics is so zero let me just right. say that but i know somewhere in my heart that that we don't have the basic thing for for while for for environment we don't grow up with those values because to grow up with those values the first thing that a child should know is that if i love my environment i'm not going to litter and we don't have those basic things with us. How can we move that far? Every every smart cookie over here is going abroad. Don't mm. you see? Every family smart ass is sitting in the United States or in the, because they are smart people. They don't want to, they want to have quality of life. country But quality travel so, how much traffic is in spite of the facts that are being things that are created? So, you go to basic things that are not structured here. Where are we going to think about animals is so, so sad that I'm making this statement. No, like you see such a lot of electrocution cases. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so such a lot of electrocution cases. So, this is crazy, you know. It's and letters, writing letters to authorities. And they, I think the only person that I write really need to talk to looking at the camera that you told me not to look at the camera is Mr. Ratan Tata. Because I think that there are so many cable lines that they have. And I think it's not just reaching the right person. There is one in Mulund which we have videos of. So these monkeys are crossing that uh, electric lines and they don't know because we are encroached their territories. It's from the forest zone to the right. city. So we have made those cables. These animals don't know better. They're just crossing the tree. And they are the ones which are getting maximum electrocuted. That's why you have so many cases coming from there. Tata Institute of Social Sciences in Chembur. We have uh, wires there because BARC is there. So everything is connected. They're and very close to each other. We have so many electrocuted cases from there. So if the people in power understand because the monkeys are not going to understand the 
people who are constructing are a little more sensitive don't you see videos where they show that oh ireland is so sensitive to uh, animals or oh, this country is so sensitive to animals they've made special pathways for this migratory birds to go during that time can't india be sensitive at least when you are doing your then they'll say are jagah hi nahi hai kahan par banayenge humne letters likhe hain baqayda letters likhe hain there is this guy whom i really want to get noticed is this guy called as hakim sheik he's an uneducated uh, guy um, you know crass as crass can be but huge passion for monkeys he's the only guy who's able to catch big monkeys so if anywhere there is a call for big monkeys hakim is there and with his just one intention to save that life he's been bitten hospitalized up to number of times but there's that that guy is always there and he tells me madam every time he's doing a rescue when he got so denzel came we had uh, baby denzel which was about uh, again a uh, 20 22 day old baby monkey unfortunately he gave up to his pain and his injuries he was a uh, grade 3 burn uh, completely down from his chest hands legs rectum tail everything gone and he is like ye same area se hua aur main ab jaake na line tod dunga just see the passion that these people have so you know this guy doesn't know better he's just like trying to say that this is the 100th monkey that they have found there and every time wo bolte na jad ko hi nikal do na kahi to kahan par kaun hamari baat sunega agar educated log usko help nahi karenge या राइट लोग उसको हेल्प नहीं करेंगे तो वो बेचारा कहाँ से वो तो सिर्फ जाके रेस्क्यू करेगा मेरे पास लेके आएगा या किसके पास भी जाएगा हम लोग ठीक करने की कोशिश करेंगे बट वो तो सफर कर ही रहे हैं ना एंड हाउ तो सेम थिंग वट हैपन टू यू नो सम अदर इम्पॉर्टेंट एनिमल इकोनॉमिकली इम्पॉर्टेंट एनिमल वुड इन द गवर्नमेंट हैव सीन इट बट दीज आर एनिमल्स दे हैव नो वैल्यू जस्ट लाइक ह्यूमन लाइफ so it's not paid cognizance to with the number of letters that we've written whatever we've done so human animal when there is an interaction this is just one example we have a golf course in our area and i think like dozens of birds i have treated for golf injuries skulls out ribs hit wings dislocated makar sankranti i can go on and on and on and on our festivals are also there to cause agony to them look at diwali are we making it a national law are we doing something for animals the prime minister also should get some guidelines on animal cruelty because unless people from that position don't know what's happening and they're not i don't think in that they have the knowledge that this can maybe if somebody tells them i'm sure he's such a sensitive in, individual that he will do something for them i'm really sure but somebody at who can approach and tell them that this is important because mahatma gandhi said it right mm. that the development of and progress of a nation is determined by the way the animals are treated right so we have to if and consciously karmic conscious Hmm. If you are doing good to the universe, the universe is going to do good to you. We all know that. We dwell on it, 
and we always say i always say you know when i shut my eyes and i tell this to a lot of people when i'm doing a lot of these animals which are coming in and a lot of money is going in and you know day in and day out like i'm spending thousands of rupees on this wildlife somewhere i consciously sit down and i say hey bhagwan mere paas paisa kahan se aayega main sara paisa isme dal rahi hu and then suddenly somewhere some good person will come and you know dr deepa i wanted to buy you these medicines for this dog or this monkey you put a post for or this animal that you put for a post for. it just happens miraculously so i don't see any reason why it should not happen if we are progressing towards the right direction and i think the leaders have to be conscious first and i'm very sure if narendra modi is mr narendra modi is touched in the right way he sh- he would be able to effectively take out uh, or tweak your laws for animals you know especially like diwali is insane makar sankranti is insane we are just sitting there to make posts ye be rescued uh, the reporters callers have been this time we rescued about 25 pigeons and 30 kites it's suffocated when you have to amputate that wing and you know that animal is not going to be able to use it it's like you have to cut off your own hand it's horrible i have a banalna which which i did i had kites which i did and now they are all in kalote i don't know whether i should put them to sleep or whether we should keep them going on hmm. living without that wing and they're supposed to soar high it has no end reptiles being burned because people don't have education whether they are poisonous non poisonous i'm not saying nobody is going to uh, you know put their life in jeopardy right okay but sometimes it does help and you don't know which which way you can help that animal out i've had cases in which they've burnt they've consciously put fire into the holes of those snakes and sometimes it's just done for the fun of it yeah sometimes it's just done for the fun because i just want to get a kick off the fact that oh i killed a cobra it is at jcbs the the deforestation happening the uh, uh, you know exhuming happening all man animal human contact is creating how many reptiles i had to stitch up a cobra's poison gland i had to uh, there was a snake that spine was broken the one that you did the mri of yeah and there are no facilities no damn facilities you would go to a human hospital for a burnt at least a burn or trauma ka hospital to hoga yeah kya hai you'd be surprised i take them to a human uh, place incubator a ekdam quietly i go and do it in my, one of my friend centers and i keep these burnt monkeys over there because they need help what do we do my clinic is not going to provide all that kind of facility i am not equipped for that and i can't be spending that kind of money so where do we go what do we do whatever we can do for our capacity as veterinarians we go we educate we spend the money we educate ourselves we come back to help 
and we get zero support. And then we have to, and then when I started the, the rehab also with Samir, we were lucky. It's his place. He's still offering. I was lucky to find him. Hmm. And I was happy that he was interested that all these eight monkeys that are there now, they're doing so well. Otherwise, kaha, we had a monitor lizard that came in egg bounded. She had 21 eggs inside her. Hmm. No. What does egg bounding mean? Egg bounding, egg binding means that these animals, uh, they are able to produce eggs like uh, hens right. without being fertile also. So they get egg bound like tortoises. They get egg right. bound. And it's just a genetic thing. It's not genetic. It's because of metabolic diseases or okay. calcium deficiencies. And and was so freaked out scene. We helped the animal for three months and she got so attached. And I, I took care of her like a mother to a child, you know, who's really trying to birth. And it took three months for her to get the 21 eggs out. She couldn't birth. And then what? We had no place to keep them. How many more? I have my monitor lizard right now in my clinic. A bicycle went over his neck. So it's crazy. Even this is not, not a part of our training. And we mm. have to keep, I have to keep begging my experts abroad to help me. If there's a, you know, keep sharing x-rays, CTs of these animals right. and getting the knowledge to be able to operate on them. A lot of people are doing surgeries now. Knives are doing surgeries now. Right. We don't know how we are going to help them, but we are trying our best to help them. But we don't have any formal training. Or we can't call ourselves experts just because we are doing this work. But we are trying to help. And we are trying to make a difference in that life. And conserve nature. Because they have wildlife. And then tomorrow they can be left. They are going to balance the ecosystem right. for us. I think somewhere, do you think we are forgetting that? Yeah, we do. That one life, you don't know how it's going to help that ecosystem. That one life. You know, when we release our reptiles and we release the snakes and we release the cobras and we release... I am in so much awe of these boys who rescue them. It's not easy to rescue a cobra or a Russell's viper. I have been bitten by a Russell's viper. I was close to death. So I know that experience, that feeling because I used to rescue. I stopped after that bite because God saved me from that one bite of a Russell's viper. I could have been dead and gone. So when I see those boys doing it and then they get, get I recently had, the, there was a poison duck that was, Severed uh, by a JC, JCB machine and that guy comes to me and he's getting the cobra to me and from all the way from Oran. And I'm just looking at him. I'm like, Tujhe dar nahi lagta hai kya? He said, Madam, mar jata tha na? It's passion. Absolutely. Crazy passion for wildlife. These are the kind of people who should uh, be motivated. They have nothing. They're swiggy boys, delivery boys who are doing this in their extra time because they love snakes and they want to do work for snake and monkeys. They don't have 
proper uniforms, they don't have proper equipments, कुछ नहीं है मैं यूएस गई थी समय फ्रेंड्स के पास बूट भी नहीं है Kamil gather uh, so they gave me some snake sticks which are you know usable and these guys were so happy when i gave it to them so this is the the kind of things that we are doing crazy things sab main sachchi bolti hu sabash hum logo ko main to apne clinic mein wo log pipe mein dal rahe hain snake aur kaam kar rahi hu asli hero to wo hai un logo ki jaake madad karni chahiye कुछ प्रोग्राम्स होने चाहिए ऐसे क्या ऐसे लड़कों को सपोर्ट करके उनको और एजुकेट करो उनको इक्विपमेंट्स दो उनको चीजें दो ताकि वो लोग अपनी जान खतरे में नहीं डाल रहे यू नो इट्स गोइंग टू बी इट्स आई नो दैट अवर गाय वाज बिटन ही हैड टू टेक 52 वाइल्स ऑफ व्हेन ही गॉट बिटन बाय अ कोबरा एंड ही वाज द ओनली ऑनिंग मेंबर ऑफ हिज हाउस आई एम नॉट सेइंग दैट दे आर नॉट स्टूपिड समटाइम्स पैशन इज ओवरड्रिवन बाय एवरीथिंग आई नो दैट क्रेज करना है मतलब करना है रेस्क्यू वो सोचते नहीं है यंग लड़के होते हैं इतने पागल पागल मंथी के हद तक होते हैं ऐसे लोगों को यू शुड एक्चुअली यू नो ट्राई टू हेल्प आई ऑर्गेनाइजेशन ट्राई टू हेल्प दीज काज कल को अगर वो मर जाए तो कौन करेगा बट दैट्स अ सैड स्टोरी एंड बट इट्स अ ट्रूथ इन एवरी वेयर यू हैव सो मेनी विक्टम्स देयर एंड सो मेनी पीपल वी आर सिटिंग इन नाइस फैंसी प्लेसेस एंड टॉकिंग हियर एंड देयर समबडी इज एक्चुअली स्ट्रगलिंग फॉर एन एनिमल व्हिच इज सो ट्रू इट हैपेंस ऑल द टाइम राइट बट वी आर डूइंग आवर बिट आल्सो माय लास्ट क्वेश्चन टू यू हियर इज are we fighting a battle that has been lost long time ago at least we are fighting right right we've not given up and we won't people who come with the spirit on earth have an unending battle tell me pooja i ask you this question If you were not working with dogs, and if you were not working with animals, what you would be doing? I'm asking you a question. I don't think so. I wouldn't be doing anything else. Yeah. See, this is what this See? is what my calling has been. See yes. how it is. You have come to fight your own battle, right? And you're doing welfare work in an in your own way, which is helping so many animals. And somewhere you're winning, right? somewhere in right. your space you're winning this right. battle over what it was an existing battle in the past yes you have accomplished that's why you're here i have won so many battles i have saved lives yes. you have saved lives in your own way we have made a difference we are winning and there will be so many like us created you know so many people who are going to do this work be with animals help animals and uh, i think people like us somewhere are going to bring that balance when we are bringing a balance and we are teaching the new generation to coexist in a better way by the way we can to the best of our abilities i think that's the way i look at it and i'd never say die 
I always have to move on. Even tomorrow, to my last dying breath, if has as cliche or as stupid as it may sound or as filmy as it may sound, I am going to be working for animal welfare in my own way, whether good, right, bad, or the other. But I know that this is my calling to my last breath. So I am there to do it. Thank you, Deepa. It was wonderful having you here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't bore you. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so You're much. You're most welcome. Most welcome.